Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 324. We're back today for another Rut Fresh Radio episode in which we're getting the latest late season intel on current conditions, deer activity, and how to fill a tag right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought by, brought to you, brought by, brought to you by, something by Onyx. We are here, Onyx is helping, Spencer's with me too, and we are actually recording the introduction of this episode of Rut Fresh Radio in Montana together. I'm looking at Spencer's beautiful blue eyes right in front of me, the burly man beard, the big deep voice himself mm-hmm. in the flesh. It's quite a privilege. Never been done before, I think, with no. Rut Fresh in person. No, I don't think that's... I think you're right. Uh, well, like I said, we are here for the Rut Fresh Radio edition of Wired Hunt, in which we are going to be hearing from a group of hunters from across the country to get the latest on deer activity, on how conditions are impacting deer and deer hunting right now this week, and tactics and ideas for getting it done over the coming days. The hunting season is approaching the end. So you might be feeling the pressure. Got to fill that freezer with the remaining days on the calendar. And uh, we are here to try to help you do that. Now, I got to bring something to everyone's attention. Uh, And it's much more fun to do this with Spencer (laughs) here in person. I got an email the other day. It was either an email or a review. I can't remember where I saw it. But somebody said, Spencer Newharth is the worst co-host because he's obviously faking his voice. There's no way he really sounds like that in person. He's trying too hard. Uh, he's a fraud. Get him off the show. Mm. So I just need to let everybody know. Well, we actually have a third person in the studio with us today. Uh, special guest appearance on Fre- Rut Fresh Radio. Someone who you might have heard on the Mediator podcast. You might have heard on the Hunting Collective podcast. We got Phil, the audio engineer, helping us out here today. Phil, can you help us shine some light on the truth of Spencer's voice? 
Uh, well, it's pretty simple. That's that's what he sounds like. <laughs> and there's no audio magic. There's no. No, I don't do any manipulation. I don't think you do either. No. Uh, no, that's just that's what comes out of his uh his mouth. What do you? How do you feel about that? Does he sound unbelievable? Does he sound impossibly deep and mellow and sensual to you? He does, but that's not a that's not a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I agree. You know, it's like something I've been actually conscious of. Uh, I remember in high school, there was this girl from my high school that was dating a guy from a different school, and like we we had a lot of reasons to dislike him, but one of them was that it seemed like he was trying really hard to make his voice deep. And so, if we were like to list off things why we didn't like this person, we'd be like. Oof. And he, like, tries to make his voice sound really deep. And so since then, I've been conscious of, like, having that not be something that someone tries to call me out for. Right. Like, really trying to be a tough guy and trying to deepen my voice. You don't want to be the pot calling the kettle black. That's right. I, I don't. I think back to that often. Well, there's this thing. I, I got criticized for this, too. We were talking about this last night. There's this, I don't even really know how to describe it, but some type of way that people... uh talk that's been labeled as is called vocal fry yeah i don't i don't know how to describe but some certain way people intonate or whatever and someone also harassed me about doing Mm. that so both of our voices have been underneath the spotlight lately (laughs) um i don't know what to tell you there's nothing i can do (laughs) we can't change it um but i do wonder i have theorized i've been curious are you familiar with the story of samson it's a biblical long story, long hair Samson, and when they cut his hair, he lost all of his superhuman powers. Mm-hmm. Well, I've often wondered, <laughs> if Spencer shaved off his beard, would he lose his deep man voice? Let's not find out. Phil, what's your guess? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had to grow a bad mustache for Ben's show, so I think it's only fair that Spencer has to shave his beard <laughs> for Mark's show. I think that's a good idea. Uh, no, I haven't seen my chin in like four years. <laughs> Don't plan on it. I guess we'll never find out. Then. No, that's right. we'll have to find some way to make this happen over the over the coming years. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do some thinking on it. But uh, with that out of the way, we do want to talk about deer. We do want to talk about deer hunting. Um, we've got a whole bunch of people that have reports on what's been going on in the woods over the last seven days or so. I've got a couple small updates on my end in Michigan, Spencer. Uh, do you want to hear about that at all? Yes. Okay, quick update is that there are still some decent bucks moving around in pockets of sanctuary cover. There's a little zone on one of the properties I hunt where there's still two mature bucks moving in daylight. I saw Tran the other day when glassing from my little hillside uh, spying location on him. I saw him. He's still alive. Then I got pictures. I went and checked trail cameras, uh, checked trail cameras over the weekend and got pictures of him as recently as that weekend. So he's out there moving around a little bit. And then I talked to a neighbor who saw him moving in daylight one morning as well as a different mature buck that I've never seen and never gotten pictures of, but he's right there next to us. Um, So that's positive. That's good to see. Um, I think it is condition dependent, though. And I know that's something that we're probably going to talk about or hear about from other folks today in the episode is that at least what I'm doing right now, I'm here in Montana with you, but as soon as I get home... I'm going to be looking at the weather forecast and trying to plan careful strikes on this property when conditions are right. Yeah, and until we started doing rut radio, um, once the calendar flipped to December, I never really considered how the weather affected deer movement. I would consider like how really cold weather or snow or wind would affect me hmm. as a hunter and like being comfortable out there. 
But until I heard you and a lot of other guys start talking about um, warm spells and, and cold fronts and uh, precipitation come December, I never really considered how that can play a part in a setup for a hunt. And we do hear about that this week, and you just covered it on the com. So give us a quick overview on like what is good weather and bad weather for late season. Yeah, so there's this article, I think we titled it something like how late season weather impacts deer movement or something along those lines. The basic gist being, right, at this point in the year, these deer have been hunted for months. They're extremely wary. They're sick and tired of humans, hunters, badgering them all the time. So these deer are reluctant to move, especially mature bucks. So at this time, the way I look at things is that you have to be extra careful about when you go in there and apply hunting pressure because any mistake you make, and this is true any time of year, but even more so now, given that we're at the end, um, any mistake you make could turn that buck nocturnal again, could keep him from ever giving you an opportunity. So I wait until the right conditions are present, which would be one of these late season fronts that'll get those deer up on their feet earlier and for longer periods of time. So that's typically going to come in the form of two things. Number one, a significant snow system when you get a lot of precipitation that covers the ground and it puts deer down for a while. You get this, um, oh, I don't know how you describe it, but when you've got a strong storm coming, this could be true with a rainstorm or a snowstorm, but heavy precipitation, strong winds, that's going to usually slow movement down for a period of time around that actual event, right? They don't want to be out moving as much in a big blizzard. They're going to bed down through the worst of it. But as soon as it slows up, as soon as it dies down and, and that uh, high-pressure system moves through, usually the cloud cover might break, blue skies, high-pressure, colder temperatures, and all that snow is settled, all those deer are all of a sudden on their feet, and there's this latent hunk, right? They have been haven't been feeding for a while. Now they're hungry. They want to get after it. They want to start accruing some calories. So that's going to get deer up on their feet moving earlier, as well as then the second thing, which hopefully comes with that, which is colder temperatures. If you get a significant cold front, we talk about this all year, right? Cold fronts make a difference, but especially in the late season when you get a super-duper Arctic front pushing through where you're dropping down to maybe single-digit temperatures or something, you might have that special circumstance where that one old buck in the area finally is like, damn it, I'm moving. It might be an hour before dark. I usually don't like to move till dark, but it's so cold. I need, I'm burning a lot of calories to stay warm. I got to get that food bag on. And you might have this special opportunity when those one of those two things happen. Um, so that's what I'm watching for. Of course, there's a whole lot of other things like you mentioned, how snow and cold impacts us as hunters, uh, how it might impact your ability to scout. I mean, snow on the ground really changes the game as far as the sign you can see. That's something else to think about. Um, but more than anything, I want to see those weather systems helping me choose the days to get out there and take those last few calculated strikes. Yeah, all good things to consider and all things that we'll talk about with our guests this week who are Byron Horton from the Whitetail Experience in Ohio. Then we go to Oklahoma and talk to Caleb Combs from Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Then we go to New Hampshire and talk to Brett Joy from Real Tree Seabucks. And then we end with Josh Sparks in Iowa from Midwest Whitetails. And Brett Joy, we got we to gotta mention here, you get a double dose of Brett Joy this week because he just had a hell of a hunt, had some really... Um, I don't know how you describe it, a whole lot of different factors. Many years of work came together leading to an incredible late-season buck over there in New Hampshire. So we're going to hear from him a little bit today as he talks about the activity he's seeing and, and a little bit of what led to his success. And then tomorrow on the main Wired Hunt episode, you get the deep dive with Brett 
I brought him on the main episode of the podcast to go through his story in detail, this this four-year story in detail, break it all down, and how he eventually did kill a mid-December big old mature whitetail buck in the mountains of New Hampshire. I mean, it's a cool story. We talk about that, and then we talk about some other ideas when it comes to late-season hunting um, to help everybody, myself included. I'm still trying to kill my late-season buck. Um, to help us all get those final ideas, um, those final ideas for the final days. That's what that's where we're at, Spencer. Do you feel at this point in the year any sense of sadness that the season's closing up, or any sense of remorse that it slipped through your fingers and you didn't get you didn't squeeze every last little bit of juice out of the orange of the hunting season, or do you feel like you got it all? You soaked it all in. Where are you at right now? Yeah, I think uh, this year is no different than other ones that I'm typically not satisfied come mid-December. And then I'm already looking forward to like 2020, 2021. What can I do different? Um, Where can I pick up additional tags? How can I plan better? All that sort of stuff. So I think even if I'd have killed 10 bucks this year, all Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett, I'd still be like, damn it, I want it to be next fall right now. I want more. Yep. Well, soon here we're going to do a wrap-up episode on Rut Fresh Radio. Not exactly sure which week we're going to do that, but soon. And uh, I'm going to grill you a little bit more on your year and your thoughts and and mostly just how irritated I am with you for you not whitetail anymore. (laughs) Um, But we'll save that for a later date. All right. We'll talk to you then. So let's do it. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at 
twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. All right, and joining us on the line first is Byron Horton from Whitetail Experience in Ohio. Now, Byron, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? So I would say we're at a solid 2 right now as far as buck activity in Ohio, and that's mainly due to we are at max hunting pressure. We just wrapped up our uh, our gun season week, and, uh, you know, especially here on the, the public land we hunt, a lot of drives have, have occurred, a lot of people in the woods, and it, it just seems like right now it is a very difficult task to get uh, a buck on the ground. If you're trying to finish out the season and fill a tag, what are you looking for then on public land to account for that pressure? Yeah, a couple things you got to consider uh, is actually like rabbit hunting pressure. Uh, rabbit hunters kind of start hitting the oh the timber, the the the, the farmland country, and we kind of concentrate on areas that can hold deer late in the year, um, whether that be, oh, southern facing bedding areas, um, browse, because then they can, you know, feed while they're, they're, they're essentially close to bedding. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for maybe a, a private food source that's next to a, a public land that, that's got the bedding. And so you're trying to intercept those deer. You're looking uh, for the most part, for any sort of food source that may, may be, you know, not harvested by a farmer or in, in big woods country, you know, it, it's the clear cuts. Uh, those become very relevant. And we kind of steer towards uh, hunting big woods just due to you don't have the rabbit hunters so much. How do you find where bucks are now bedding? Sure. Those, you know, those bucks, you know, they, they, they definitely experience some hunting pressure now. And uh, you go from uh, where you possibly have found sheds. Uh, we pulled some trail cameras that like have been out all archery season. And so we just pulled one the other day that we were actually the only other hunters on camera. And it was on a pretty, oh, pretty obvious hunter route into the, but it's a, it's a section that's way far back in. And if you're going to shoot a deer there, you've got to either have a team or pack a deer out. Um, so that's something we'll key in on. Uh, if you do your homework after a fresh snow, tracks can, can come into play if you've got that skill set. Um, I won't say we're we're the Joe Elzinger guys of tracking, but that's a skill set we're look, you know we've kind of improved upon over the last few years. Um, so that's something to consider as well. What would you consider to be ideal weather for deer hunters in December? Ooh, let's see here. I gotta have some sort of a, a cold front. Actually, we don't have much in the in the forecast, but. Give me a cold front, northerly winds, uh, maybe a day that where the temperature starts in the morning and never really climbs high and kind of continually drops once you get into the afternoon um, through the evening hours. Um, it, to, now it, it, it's scouting and scouting and then just timing that drone strike and hope you get lucky, to be honest. When you're trying to relocate bucks this time of year, are you looking for rubs and scrapes at all? You know, rub scrapes, not so much a huge factor. I do know of a few scrapes that kind of popped up what I'll call like late November into December at this point. Um, I'm not so much concerned on that second run just because our gun season here in Ohio falls right in that first week of of December. Um, If I can recall past hunting experiences, um, I have seen some third rut type action once we kind of get to that first week of January when our muzzleloader season picks up. 
Um, but yeah, right now I'm not looking at any sort of rut sign in my tactics. It's, it's browse, it's foods, it's, it's snow tracks. That's what, it, that's way more valuable to me or visual sightings, obviously. You briefly touched on trail cameras earlier. Where are you running those trail cameras at in mid-December? So right now, I think 80, 90% of our, yeah, probably 90% of our trail cameras have been pulled. We try to get those out of the woods for that gun week. Now is it's a matter of redeploy and, uh, you know, we'll use any sort of late season food source uh, if we can, or um, two of us have tagged out. We may actually deploy some cameras in some areas that we're kind of curious about for next season. Um, and obviously if those turn up a buck, great. Um, so it's probably a 50, 50 split. And like, I will use, Oh, if I do find late season food sources, occasionally I will go back to scrapes or uh, any sort of like Creek crossing uh, something that really funnels deer, and if I get snow on the ground, that's that's when I'm gonna at least hold it, hold at least oh a camera or two for for if if that aligns because I can I can see what's going on there in a track a quality track then allows me to throw that camera on a higher percentage area. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that bucket activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Ohio? I think this is the toughest time of year. I don't see it knowing what weather we've got here for the next week. You're still two to th- Yeah. You're still a two on public land. Um, we've got two weeks till another farm season picks up. Um, these deer traditionally based on, on, on kind of past experience, they don't really get to daylight active, um, until end of December, starting into January. Um, we, we do have a muzzleloader season, but there doesn't seem to be as much hunting pressure with that. Um, so, so this, this is a tough time and I'm going to give it a two max. All right, Byron. I hope your pessimism is wrong. Good luck. And thanks for joining me. (laughs) Thanks, Spencer. All right. And joining us online next is Caleb Combs in Oklahoma from Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Now, Caleb in Oklahoma, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I would say about an eight. Uh, this is one of my favorite times to hunt of the year. I like everything pre rut and post rut. And so, uh, I'm always optimistic about this time of year, but also I went Friday and Sunday and I saw good bucks both times. Some were still chasing does and heat and some were back on food sources. It looked like them. I mean, as far as they didn't have any interest in rut activities, it didn't appear to me, but I like the mixture, the combination of both. You can get them uh, a couple different ways this time of year. As far as food sources go, what should deer hunters in Oklahoma be focused on right now? Late season, I'm always focused on acorns, whatever's left, specifically red o- red oaks, late season, and then anything green. So that's not dry, you know, not dry forage, but if you can find a good food plot or a good agriculture that's still growing, that's preferred to me. You said that you saw a little bit of chasing the other day. This time of year, do you expect to find any sign making? and Have you been seeing any this season? Yes. I mean, it's still out there. They're definitely still making scrapes. I saw several bucks hitting the same scrape Friday and then last week as well. So I still look at scrapes. I'm just not as focused on them. It's almost always food for me. Food, and then if you just happen to get on the couple hot does that are left. But I I kind of move further away from rubs and scrapes. I still watch them, especially with cameras. I just don't hunt them as hard because I don't expect them to produce that much. If I would have talked to you a month ago, I know you would have been looking for cold fronts. Are you still looking for cold fronts this time of year, or does weather play less of a factor? No. I mean, if, if it's colder, I'll assume they're up and they're eating more. But if it's just not hot, 
if it's real hot, it's less attractive. Uh, but if it's normal temps and lower, then it's, I'm good from there. With this being one of your favorite times of year to kill a mature buck, where are you running your trail cameras at? Uh, my trail cameras are still, I pretty much leave them on scrapes all year. Uh, but then I, I do leave them on food sources as well. But food sources, I, I try to leave them the same places all year long. So my cameras don't adjust based on the time of the year. I just, if I need more cameras, I buy more cameras. But I, I, I leave them the same places all year long. I'd like to just see the patterns more than the patterns on what I have left here wise. In Oklahoma, do you find that there's a shift in bedding come late season? I would say no, but I hunt a lot of areas with low pressure. I usually try not to go to my places rifle season. I'll skip rifle season half the time, half the years, which sounds crazy, half the years. Uh, and then I'll just let them move in. But on most of our bedding stays the same. It's pretty high population as far as bucks are concerned. So the good bedding areas remain good. They're almost always pretty consistent. They might lay down more in random areas, but, you know, through the night. But the key, the key places are always the same. Are you concerned with moon phases at all this time of year? I'm not. I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to the moon. I mean, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Not, not that much. It doesn't usually affect me. If I can go, I go. I'm not going to not go because of the moon. Weather would be more important and definitely having food is really important. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Oklahoma? I'm forever optimistic. So still like seven, seven, eight. If you're on good food sources, if you have food plots that didn't get hammered and you have some food left, I think you'll be very successful. All right, Caleb, congrats on the great buck this year. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next in New Hampshire is Brett Joy from Real Tree Sea Bucks. Now, Brett, in New Hampshire, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? I'd say it's been pretty variable day to day but probably uh, five or six you know we, there's a lot of factors going on that now here our gun season actually just ended so there's been a lot of pressure in the woods the last six weeks or so five or six weeks um we've got a lot of we just had a big snow event um it's been cold then we got rain um food sources are changing um and uh you have some late red activity occurring as well. So there's just kind of a mixed bags of different factors that really affecting that activity. I'd say overall, it's pretty decent. Um, you know, nothing like it was maybe two or three weeks ago, but, um, it's, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, you can definitely have some luck out there. There's some bucks moving around daylight. Um, you know, it really depends on your situation and where you're hunting and, what the food sources is, you know, if there's late does or, you know, whatever. So there's a lot that goes in it, but I'd say overall it's, it's pretty good. You just killed a big mature buck on Saturday. Tell us a little bit about that setup. Yeah. So that was an interesting one. It was a deer I've been after for a number of years and was after really hard during the rut. Um, and he actually shifted into an area, I believe that he was in because, um, it's preferable wintering habitat. Uh, you know, it gets pretty cold up here and we have a lot of snow or had a lot of snow. It's well, melting now, but, um, you kind of moved into a, an area where I think there's some good browse, good thermal cover. Um, it's a little more protected area. And, um, I know there's a number of does in there. So he was kind of hanging out down there. I was lucky enough to get a blanket of fresh snow and went in to check some cameras and actually get walked by my camera, uh, you know, after that snow a couple hours before. So I had this fresh track 
had plenty of, of mountainous stuff and, and, and big woods to chase him in, so got on his track and uh, took me about four miles and five hours, but I ended up catching up with him and killing him. Is that a common tactic for you this time of year? It, for me, it's semi-common. For, for this area, it's very common. Uh, it's probably the most effective tactic for a late season that you know you can have. Whenever you have an opportunity to track and you get fresh snow, uh, in New Hampshire, or Maine, or Vermont, or you know, really in the Northeast, of the big woods, uh, you can be really effective. Um, you know, tracking down these bucks if you have sort of idea, sort of an idea of what you're doing. Um, you know, you can have, you can at least be, you know, in the game, whereas you may not be if you don't have that snow. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's pretty common. You talked about how that buck had moved into a sort of wintering range. Tell us a little bit yeah. more about what you're looking for in bedding in mid-December. Yeah, so the number one thing is low pressure. So areas that haven't been, um, haven't had a lot of pressure uh, in the big woods, it may not be as big a factor if there's not much pressure. If you're maybe in the suburban type area, a lot of times they'll actually hang out in protected areas like with no hunting or even in like behind neighborhoods, stuff like that. Um, but as far as habitat goes, um, good browse is big. Uh, if there there hasn't been much mass crop. Um, so areas that have been logged, obviously, early succession growth, that type of thing. Um, and then, obviously, uh, a mass crop, acorns and apples are a big a big factor still. There's still some left on the ground if you're in areas heavy with those types of trees. Um, and the last thing is, is really um, conifers. So that's a huge, huge deal in the Northeast, especially in New Hampshire. Um, these wintering habitats are critical for the deer. So, um, you know, if you can find a, a stand of mature uh, spruce or prefers or white pine or, or really uh, hemlock is, is the biggest one. Um, those deer really start to gravitate towards those areas because it gives them great thermal cover. Um, the snow depths aren't as deep and they actually do browse on that stuff pretty heavily because we just don't really have much for quality food sources this time of year. Back real quick to tracking a buck through the snow. At what point do yep. you give up on a set of tracks? I would say when he goes into an area you can't hunt, which most of the time that doesn't happen if you're tracking because you usually are trying to track in areas where you have thousands of acres thrown. Uh, I'd say it gets dark or you kill them. <laughs> That's, those are, would be the things. I mean, you can uh, really, when it comes to tracking, and I'm not an expert tracker by any means, I'd say, I'm, like I said, enough to be maybe, maybe be a little dangerous, but um, all the, the, the expert trackers that I've, I've talked to all say persistence is what gets it done, just staying on that track. I know, um, for example, I, I talked to uh, my buddy who filmed Hal Blood, who's a very well-known tracker in Maine, and he actually tracked a buck two different days, tracked him all day one day for a number of miles, and then got on that buck the next morning and tracked him the whole rest of the day and ended up killing him. And he bumped him, you know, a handful, half dozen times in those two days. So persistence is deadly when it comes to tracking. And are you sometimes tracking a group of deer, or is it often where you're just tracking a single buck? Um, you know, it's, it's much more challenging when you're tracking a group of deer, especially if snow conditions aren't ideal. Um, it can be confusing trying to figure out what track you're on and keeping track. Actually on Saturday, when I tracked my buck, he was on with some does or was following some doe tracks and I actually lost his track for a period of time and had to backtrack and see where he left. So it could be more challenging. I think the best scenario is a buck by himself. Um, if it's maybe his done chasing does and is maybe looking to bed or just browse around that's probably the best situation it's really difficult when they're on the move looking for does and covering a lot of ground or with does uh chasing them so um 
you know, and then when you finally get up to the animal, if he's with three or four does, you, there's that much more chance you're going to get busted before you get a shot at the buck you're after. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New Hampshire? I'd say it's probably going to stay pretty consistent, maybe a five or six. You're going to see flurries of good activity uh, some days, depending on, like I said, all those factors um, based on pressure, food, weather, um, and some late does or maybe even early um, you know, yearlings coming in. So I'd say it's going to stay pretty good. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a good time to be in the woods and, and keep at it. Our rifle season's over, but we have another week of bow season. So I think it's definitely worth you know, spending some time if you have it. All right, Brett, well, congrats again on the awesome deer. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next from Iowa is Josh Sparks with Midwest Whitetails. Now, Josh, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to go with a 5. I'm just going to attribute that to the fact that we've got some colder temperatures than we had the previous few weeks, so... If you're hunting over food, um, that's what we did on the tail end of the bow season. We had some pretty good encounters. Uh, We ended up seeing on our last time of the year four different mature bucks, but the upcoming weather not looking so great. So, Referencing that weather, what kind of weather is ideal this time of year? Um, Particularly where we're at, we're hoping to get some snow, you know, just forcing the deer to feed a little bit more concentrated than they are right now. Uh, If we can get you know a couple inches of snow it'll really force these deer to go to the corn that we've got on this particular property um there are some standing beans but more or less there's just so much browse and when we don't have that snow it's hard to concentrate them down to those particular spots do you notice a shift in the bedding for bucks in iowa this time of year yeah um at least again um, referencing this farm we started to notice a lot more south facing ridge bedding um particularly just to stay out of those cold north winds and on this farm there's a lot of crp in those south facing slopes Um, so it just offers good thermal cover Um, it's kind of a shift more or less from the hardwoods to those areas is what we see down here i know you're just out checking trail cameras where your cameras focused at in early december uh for right now so what i've been doing today is actually moving them around and we're taking most of them off of all the scrapes that we had you know october november and we're putting them on mostly, mostly on trails going out to these fields I was just talking about. Um, the biggest thing we're trying to figure out is where they're entering the food plots and then uh, kind of basing that where we should set up the blinds or if we need to hang a stand. Did any of those scrapes have some recent activity? Yeah. No. I When I was checking them today, I mean, it's definitely, you know, not like it was in November, but there are some younger bucks and does. And then one of the bucks that we are hunting was on the scrape, but it's not nearly as frequent for sure. How do you account for gun hunting pressure in a state like Iowa? For Iowa, um, I think that's a pretty selective answer. You know, right where I'm at, gun hunting is pretty minimal. Most of the guys around here are waiting for the late muzzleloader seasons. Um, but I do know quite a few buddies that do face the shotgun pressure dilemma. A lot of their deer, you know, getting ran because you can party hunt in Iowa. So that's a pretty popular thing um, with pushing deer. So I think it can definitely be impactful. There's no doubt. But if you do have a farm where you don't pressure it, I think you can also, you know, pick up some deer from around your neighbors if they know that they're not going to get ran out on that piece of property. 
You mentioned that there's still some standing beans around earlier. A lot of the Midwest had a late harvest this year, but are you seeing that there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of standing crops in Iowa? Generally speaking, no. From what I've seen, most of everything's gotten taken out. Any standing food now, I would assume, is purposeful for the use of, you know, food plots and hunting. Also, the guys that I know that are farmers were able to get everything out. It was late for sure, but they were able to get it done. Have you been seeing any secondary rutting? Um, yeah. I mean, like I mentioned, um, when we sat that last day, it would have been December 5th, I believe, we did see two of those mature bucks for bumping the does that were in the plot. Um, the does definitely were not having anything to do with it, and the bucks gave up pretty easily. But I think, you know, looking for that last doe is definitely still on their mind. And, you know, that's the biggest thing, too. We were thinking, concentrate around food. Maybe we do get that last hot doe. And if we don't, at least the bucks will be thinking the same thing. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Iowa? Um, on a scale of 1 to 10 in Iowa, we do have some pretty cold temps. Um, obviously, if you're shotgun hunting, who knows what it's going to be like. You're going to be driving everything around there. But I would say generally still around that four to five mark. Um, if you're, you know, hunting over food, you've got a good shot. But really, really looking forward to having some snow on the ground, hopefully, within the next month. All right, Joshua, I hope you get that weather you're looking for. Good luck and thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.